It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Rico Bronia time. Thank you for listening and downloading. Remember, follow, subscribe, rate the Rico Bronia wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Rico, a lot of Mets Yankees, and I don't mean like your normal Mets Yankees debate. No, none of that. The New York Mets added former Yankees during this offseason. And it got me thinking about some of the great Yankee Mets in the history of the New York Mets. Guys that played for the Yankees, guys that played for the Mets, guys that sucked on the Yankees, guys that were great on the Mets, and of course, vice versa, because there's plenty of that. So a lot of discussion on the history of Mets and Yankees. One thing I am very excited about, Pete Hoffman is very excited about, is the debut of our Killers series, where we will talk to a Met killer. Have a nice, respectful, discussion with somebody that shoved it up our ass and that will be debuting this Sunday. So sometime on Sunday, the Rico Bronia will drop. You can download it and you'll get to hear a full discussion between me and a Met killer. And if I'm not mistaken, Pete, it's also going to be be available for those to see the video of. Is that true? That is correct. It actually will be on the YouTube channel, and we will make sure that I put that link up. I'm not sure if it's going to drop Sunday along with the audio, but it will be up at sometime next week that I can guarantee the whole 45, 50 minutes of it. And, yes. And, yeah. by, and by the way, I yes. just, just got a text back from that person that you just spoke to, um, and they said that was fun. One of my favorite topics to talk about. Ah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, because he killed us. <laughs> of course he had a freaking good time. Uh, I'll just drop one other hint about this person, and you'll be finding out who it is rather shortly. But the hint I will give is, huh, what hint should I give on this guy? He stuck it up our ass. Yeah, we know that. Uh, but, okay, here's the other hint. He also was on the other side. And is actually a part of a great moment in Met history. So that's my other hint. So as much as we think of him as a guy that shoved it to us, he was also on the complete other side. I'll give you this hint. Not a Yankee. (laughs) Not a guy that ever played for the New York Yankees. Now, let's address this Mets-Yankees thing. Okay? I have not had an issue with the Mets signing former Yankees during this offseason. When we've talked about the signing of Luis Severino and the signing of Harrison Bader, We've done it in the context of, hey, can that player help this team? And I remember when we were talking about Severino at the beginning of the offseason, he's always been a guy, I've certainly mentioned it on the Rico, as a guy that I've been intrigued by as a high-reward, low-risk guy. So, yes, he's a Yankee. Yes, he has that history here. Yes, when you speak to your friends and your cousins, they're going to offer a stronger opinion on him than, say, Adrian Hauser, who they've probably never heard of because of that bias towards watching him play. And I think that sometimes as fans, you know, we see more of the Yankees, maybe more than we see of certain teams in the American League West or even the National League West. And so we form some kind of bias negatively or positively towards these players. I try not to. Like my interest in Severino was never based on the convenience of watching him every day. It was more based on the fact that he was a really good pitcher and he had a lot of injury problems. And then last year was an odd, odd season in which he was finally relatively healthy, and he didn't pitch well, and he fits that one-year reward. So I know there are some Met fans that haven't liked dipping into the former Yankee pile, if you will, or the former Yankee pool. I have not an issue with it. 
And as you'll see, as we discuss on this podcast, there's a long history of guys that have come over here and done nothing. Guys that have come over here and been better than they were as Yankees. And even a history of guys that you can debate. Like we could sit here and argue, were they better Mets or were they better Yankees? Now, for the sake of this, while I'm not a big fan of war, the war stat can be helpful because the war stat can kind of give you a guide, if you will, on a man's performance. It's not the end-all be-all, but it's a guide. So, for example, where war helped me in this exercise is when I looked at baseball reference and I viewed guys that played for both the Mets and the Yankees, the way I tried to figure it was, hey, let me rank them based on the highest war that ever played for the Yankees and the highest war that ever played for the Mets. And then kind of add them together and find like, okay, so who's the greatest player to ever play for both teams? It's a fair question. You know, maybe most of that war came from one team. In fact, that answer is true. (laughs) But then you can find the guys that were combinedly really, really good. So, for example, let's get this right out of the way. The guy with the highest war who ever played for both the New York Yankees and the New York Mets, and I warn you, it's a trick question. Because this guy was not a Met. This guy literally played four games for the New York Mets. Four games. And he's most remembered as a Met manager, not a Met player. And I'm talking about Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra, one of the great players of all time, who's a Hall of Famer, one of the great catchers of all time. So when I tell you he had the highest war of any Met Yankee, we all know from the beginning, well, come on, Evan, that's a freaking Yankee. It's not Met Yankee. And you're right. But hey, this is the exercise in Met Yankee funness, right? So Yogi Berra, highest wherever of a Met Yankee. He ain't a Met. He's a New York Yankee. And if anything, to our older listeners, they think of him not only as not a Met, but as a shitty Met manager. Like literally, literally, that's what a lot of older Met fans think about specifically with some of the decisions he made in the 1973 World Series. Now, this will be fun. Do you know who has the second highest war? of guys who played for the New York Mets and the New York Yankees? Would you like to just make a a random guess, Pete? Just random. Throw it out there. There's no wrong answer. And and this is a manager, too? No, this is just as a factual player. Oh, that's tricky. (laughs) Is this guy a manager? Well, I have to be honest with that answer. Yes, the guy was a manager. I would admit that. In fact, while not the player Yogi Berra was, I think certainly follows the model. (laughs) Damn it. I was going to go Carlos Beltran. No, Carlos Beltran. No, that, that's actually a very good guess. But no, the answer is Willie Randolph. Ah. Willie Randolph was, yeah, w- dude, Willie Randolph was a freaking good Yankee. Let's not forget that, even if he was a little bit before our time. And he played for the Mets. And, and what's so crazy about Willie as a Met is 1992, 1991-ish is when I first started getting it first started understanding what I was seeing uh the first game I ever scored which will be in the book that I am publishing my Mets Bible on sale first week of April I found my first scorecard or at least what I think is my first scorecard because it's the earliest scorecard I've ever found is there a game before that I scored maybe I can't find it so therefore it doesn't exist and it was actually in 1992 and Willie Randolph was on that team and Willie Randolph was just this older guy the Mets added, obviously had a very crappy year that year, and Willie was not a very good Met, but he was a damn good Yankee. And again, very similar to Yogi, while he's not a Hall of Famer, I think we think of Willie in a similar light. Really good New York Yankee, and then we think of him as a Met manager. Like, I don't think anybody thinks of Willie Randolph as a player for the one year he was here. They more think of, oh yeah, that guy was a Yankee manager, or a Met manager, I should say. 
Never a Yankee manager, unfortunately. Who's third, though? It's a great question. Who is third? And what's great about the guy who's third is I've already started with guys who are clearly Yankees. So you start to say to yourself, well, when the hell are we going to get to us? And when are we going to get to Mets? And the answer is right now. Because the guy with the third highest war of anyone that played for either team is Doc Gooden, who clearly is a New York Met. Doc Gooden, and by the way, like, I don't want to minimize what Doc did for the Yankees because I get the no-hitter. Like, a no-hitter is a big deal, obviously. You know how I feel about Johan's no-hitter and the the value of a Met pitching a no-hitter. But Doc Gooden was not a very good Yankee. You know, and I know Doc appreciates that George Steinbrenner looked out for him and gave him another opportunity, and he should. Like, I totally respect Doc Gooden looking at the Yankees in this positive light for giving them that opportunity. But he's a freaking Met. Like, it is not even close. And he wasn't even that good of a Yankee. Like, when you think of Doc Gooden, you don't think of postseason moments. He wasn't even on the postseason roster in the World Series in 2000 when he came back. And that's it. I think of two Doc Gooden moments when I think of him as a Yankee, if I'm being fair. I think of the no-hitter, totally give him that, against Seattle. And I think of his return against the Mets in 2000, that day when he walked into the building at Chase Stadium. But outside of that, that man's a Met. He had a war of 41.6 as a Met and had a war of 5.2 as a Yankee, which is actually a lot higher than I thought it would be. Five war for the Yankees? Like, that's... It's a lot higher than I imagined it would be. But yes, Doc Gooden, the third highest war. And yes, without question, the best Met we had of the Met Yankee variety. Where things get really, really interesting. Uh, I mean, like incredibly interesting is the guy who has the fourth highest war. Because here's where we're going to get the fangs out. This is the first time and maybe one of the only guys where we can do that. I'm going to present to you a guy that if we were talking to a Yankee fan right now, but we don't put Yankee fans on the Rico, we ban them, they would argue he's our guy. And I would argue, no, shut up, he's our guy. This man spent six seasons with the New York Yankees, made 144 starts. This guy made and pitched seven years with the Mets in 169 starts. So he was a little bit longer a New York Met and had an ERA that was more than a half a run better. And if you're big into wins, some people are, I'm not. He won 17 more games with the New York Mets. If you believe in like Cy Young votings, like, hey, where'd you finish in the Cy Young vote? Well, with the Yankees, he finished fourth and sixth. With the Mets, he finished third one time. And the man I'm talking about is, in my humble opinion, the greatest player to ever play for both teams at an equal level. And that, of course, is David Cohn. And I think where the argument And obviously, I'm biased. Pete's going to be a little bit biased. Where we would win in a Met-Yankee debate on David Cohn, and and this is indisputable, is he was a better Met. Like, he had better seasons with the New York Mets. Look at his year in 1988. I mean, he was unbelievable. And in most human seasons, he wins a Cy Young. Like, that's a Cy Young season. And he had some good years with the Yankees, some very good years with the Yankees, but never to the level of what he did in 1988. And I'd even argue in 92 before he got traded. Like, the guy was awesome before the Mets made the decision to trade him for Ryan Thompson and Jeff Kent, we all know. But he was better as a Met. 
here's the problem. This is the fight back that the Yankee fan would have. And they always seem to have this answer on us. He won with the Yankees. He won championships with the New York Yankees. He was a big part of that team in 1996. He was a big part of that team in 1998. He was a big part of that team in 1999. And he did diddly shit for them in 2000, but he was there. Like he existed. You know, David Cohn, this pisses me off to no end. And I think I've asked David about it because he's a great dude. David Cohn pitched one time in that 2000 World Series. Do you remember when he came in? This freaking drives me nuts. He came in for Denny Nagel in the fifth inning of a game to just face Mike Piazza. Like literally, and we were down by a couple of runs at that point. And Joe Torre lumbered his way out there at Shea Stadium. And he took the ball from Denny Nagel. And he gave it to David Cohn. And I could have sworn Joe Torre was sticking it to us. That Joe Torre was like, hey, you know what? Here's your guy. Here's David Cohn. Go have fun. And Cohn came in and did all he could. Now he got the one out. Like, he did not have a good year in 2000. He was pretty much done at that point. Uh, at least in the regular season. The Mets were beating him up in 2000 when he actually pitched. I remember they faced him once. Actually, no, no. He pitched well against them that day. But in 2000 was the year where he had the 7 ERA. And he actually started the game that got rained out and turned into the first ever two-stadium doubleheader. And that was it for his Yankee career. In fact, that out he got against Mike Piazza in the World Series was actually the last pitch he threw as a Yankee. Went to the Red Sox in 01, was out of baseball in 02, and then actually finished his career with us in 2003. Barely pitched. He was only there for five and a half minutes, but he barely pitched. So David Cohn was better with the Mets, and he won more with the Yankees. He's our guy. Right, Pete? Yeah, David, David, David Cohn's our guy. He ain't their guy. Listen, I, I agree, but he had more moments with the Yankees just due to the World Series. Again, another no-hitter. I mean, that kind of rubs me. You had two of the best pitchers that, that donned Mets uniforms, but they, they threw no-hitters with the Yankees. I know. I know. Freaking drives me nuts. He throws a perfect game. Forget no hitter. He throws a perfect game. One guy I don't want to forget who actually had a higher war than David Cohen. Um, and his war, I guess, was right around where Doc Goodens was, was Robinson Cano, which I shouldn't forget. Robbie was a tremendous Yankee. 44.4 war, but with the Mets, it was 1.1, which is a lot higher than I actually thought it was. I thought it was going to be negative 0.2. Robbie Cano is... Fortunately, a footnote in Met history, and I think that his his legacy with the Mets is actually going to be better off than it could have been. And what I mean by that was there are two things that make Cano less offensive to us than what could have been. Number one, Steve Cohen paid him to go away. Like that matters. If the Wilpons were still running the team and forced Robinson Cano down our throats even more than he was forced down our throats, and it hindered the Mets from spending in other ways. I think Robinson Cano could have been an even bigger villain in the history of the Mets. So I think, A, Steve Cohen's money. And the number two, the Edwin Diaz trade. Like, that was such a controversial deal when it went down. And I remember my opinion, which a lot of people had, was, hey, I'm okay with taking Cano's contract back, but then why are we giving up a top prospect? And then vice versa. Oh, I'm okay with giving up a top prospect, but then why are we taking Cano's contract back? Like, Pick one of the two and do it. Don't do both. Don't give up a top prospect and take a bad contract back. Because I think we knew upon Cano's arrival that it was a bad contract. Like, we, 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 we sort of knew that going in. 
But anyhow, Robbie Cano was an outstanding New York Yankee and a shitty New York man. But how about one for the good guys? Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry's war was 36.6 with the Mets. I actually find this really interesting. Straw was 36.6 with the Mets. The guy slightly behind him, Carlos Beltran, was 31.1. So Straw, obviously a little bit better as a Met. I think most of us would agree. And then with the Yankees, they had the exact same wars. Strawberry, 2.9. Carlos Beltran, 2.8. So they both fit kind of that bill of really good Met, went to the Yankees at the end, and blah, whatever. Obviously, in Straw's case, he made more of an impact with the Yankees because they won. Kind of the same thing we talked about with Doc Gooden. He was able, and David Cohn to a degree, though Straw won with the Mets like Doc did. David Cohn did not. But Strawberry's a guy that Yankee fans like. Like you ask Yankee fans about Daryl Strawberry, they have a very positive opinion about him, even though he's clearly a Met. Carlos Beltran, same way. I think the Beltran legacy is so complicated because there are Met fans that don't forgive him for Game 7 of 06. That exists. There are Met fans that don't forgive him for, I guess, approaching the Yankees about signing a contract before signing with the Mets. And they're just some Met fans that never fell in love with Carlos Beltran, even though the numbers will tell you he was a very, very good Met. And he was an okay Yankee, I guess. 33.9 is the combined war. The guy after that is Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson, who it's so weird thinking of Ricky Henderson as a Yankee. And the reason I say that, as I was talking earlier about when I started watching baseball and when I started understanding baseball. So I'm understanding baseball, and Ricky Henderson is one of the most exciting baseball players out there. He's electric. He's stealing bases. He's unbelievable. But think about when I started watching baseball. It's 1991, 1992. He won the MVP in 1990. The Oakland A's are this juggernaut. Like, they're in the World Series in 1990. And so when I grew up, Ricky Henderson was an A. And my dad would tell me, oh, yeah, he was with the Yankees for a bunch of years. I'm like, he was? Like, that's crazy. And so I knew he was with the Yankees, but growing up, I could never imagine him with the Yankees because to me, he was such an Oakland A. And obviously, he began his career with the A's. And so that those Yankee years mixed in in which he, look, he was undeniably an amazing ball player. I mean, he's stealing 90 bases a season. He's getting on base 40% of the time. You know, he's hitting 25 home runs, 30 home runs a season. Like his numbers with the Yankees are, you know, undeniable. He was only there for five years, but his numbers pretty much matched, you know, where he put up or what he put up overall in Oakland, even though he was with Oakland for a lot longer. So even today, talking about it in 2024, I still think it's weird to think of Ricky as a Yankee because it's not something I ever saw. And then... Kind of the opposite of what we say with Daryl and Doc, where he had success there or they won there. Ricky didn't win shit with the Yankees. Like, think about it. Those Yankee teams weren't any good. I mean, they had star players like Don Mattingly was the greatest player in the world. But the mid-80s Yankees didn't win a damn thing. So I don't know about you, Hofka. I know you're a little bit older than me. I still find it weird thinking about Ricky Henderson as a New York Yankee. No, I mean, I remember that stuff back in the day. Not that I remember, but I my family was such Yankees fans that that didn't shock me. I remember the Win, Winfield era. Like I, I know all those old guys, obviously Reggie Jackson. I didn't watch them growing up because I was too young. I didn't remember. But I, Ricky Henderson to me was definitely a Yankee. Wow. So you go the other way. Like I think of him as a Yankee, but here's the, 
the cool thing that we have on the Yankees about Ricky Henderson, despite the overall numbers and despite him getting a 30 war for the Yankees and a 1.3 with the Mets. And this is kind of cool because we don't get to say this very often. Ricky Henderson never, ever played in a postseason game for the New York Yankees. Never did it. Never happened. And yet for the Mets, especially in that uh, divisional series against Arizona, and I know it doesn't count as a playoff game, but the one-game playoff with Cincinnati in 1999, he was awesome. Like, Ricky Henderson in 1999 was tremendous, and even though that year doesn't match the production he put up with the Yankees, it matters more because we won. Not a championship, of course. We don't win that. But we got to the playoffs, and we had a fun run. And then, unfortunately, it got defined by Ricky Henderson playing cards in the dugout with Bobby Bonilla. Or not in the dugout, in the locker room with Bobby Bonilla. So, unfortunately, that's the memory. Let's get to the next guy. And this is another one that we probably won't fight about as passionately as the David Cohn debate. But the other guy who I think goes down in Med history and Yankee history as a split. Like, we could argue. Was he a better Met? Was he a better Yankee? This guy spent four years with the Mets, four years with the Yankees. He played 573 games with the Mets, 513 games with the Yankees. He hit 95 home runs with the Mets, 115 with the Yankees. He had a 784 OPS with the Mets and 829 OPS with the New York Yankees. And, you know, why not? I'll be a jerk here. This guy played in a World Series with the Mets. He did not with the New York Yankees. And of course, I'm talking about Curtis Granderson. What, what comes to your mind when you think of Curtis Granderson, Pete? Dude, I love the signing. He was one of my favorite players, uh, you know, throughout the years, just watching him because he was a gritty guy, a 30-30 guy. I thought he was actually an underrated bet, like never really got the appreciation that he, that he deserved. It's funny because I do remember him being a successful Met, but – I actually remember him more as a as a Tiger, because uh, when they the Yankees and, and the Tigers had some crazy series, and I, was it which was the catch where where he laid out was it with the Yankees or was it the Tigers? He laid out made this ridiculous catch in the outfield uh, that I just remember like that guy is amazing. Well, he was look he's a Tiger before he was a Yankee. He's a Tiger before he was a Met. He was a part of that big three-team trade that got Curtis to the Yankees, and it involved a lot of key players that would change the history of the baseball, including Max Scherzer going from Arizona to Detroit. Curtis Granderson is not disliked by Yankee fans by any stretch of the imagination. But if we went pound for pound statistically between Curtis as a Yankee and Curtis as a Met, and I'm not just using war on this, I'm using their overall numbers, he was a better Yankee than Met. I got to be the first to admit it. It's kind of what I said about Cohn, where Cohn is a clearly a better Met than better Yankee, but he had the success with the Yankees in the postseason. I think if you're just looking at the regular season numbers in 10, 11, 12, the years that Curtis were with the Yankees, he had better years. He had 40 home runs a couple of times, drove in over 100 runs. Granted, Yankee Stadium, better ballpark and all that, but he was better statistically as a Yankee. And I think if you asked a Yankee fan, what do you think of Curtis Granderson? They would shrug their shoulders and say, yeah, okay. They don't hate him. They don't love him. He's okay. We like him more. That would be my answer. We like him more. Doesn't mean he had more success with the Mets because statistically he didn't. But I think to the compliments you gave him, Met fans really liked him. 
Look, Curtis Granderson was never an all-star with the New York Mets. Curtis Granderson hit 30 home runs once as a Met. And when he did it, he only drove in 59 runs. Like, it wasn't exactly uh, pummeling it up. Uh, he was not statistically this prolific Met, but he was a part of a beloved team in 2015. He made an incredible catch that unfortunately gets forgotten about in 2016 in that wild card game against San Francisco. He kept that game tied. That was the play of the game when he saved Noah Syndergaard from giving up an RBI double. Uh, Brandon Belt, I think, was the hitter, if memory serves correct. And we love him. We like him. Like, we think of him as, hey, that was a that was a damn good Met. And I don't think Yankee, Yankee fans think about that that way. So I think we can win the claim on Curtis Granderson, even if the numbers are clearly better for him as a Yankee than as a Met. There's a few others that have decent numbers, and then there's a major drop-off on guys that played for the Mets and the Yankees. Lee Mazzilli was obviously a quality Met. Nobody remembers him with the Yankees. So his overall combined war is pretty high. John Olerud was a damn good Met, but let's not forget, he played for the New York Yankees. So there's a big drop-off in war for the Yankees. And then Robin Ventura. Robin Ventura, I was surprised about this. Because I think when with some of the names I just mentioned, you say to yourself, you know, pretty obviously, well, that's a Met. Uh, I don't really think of him as a Yankee. When I was looking at Robin Ventura's numbers after he went to the Yankees in 2002, because he was there for a year and a half. He was there in 02, and then he was there for parts of 2003. His season in 2002 was an all-star season. Robin Ventura only made the all-star game twice in his major league career, and it was never with the Mets. It was with the White Sox, and it was with the Yankees. And in 2002, his final numbers, 27 home runs, 93 RBIs, 826 OPS. Now, he had four good years with the Mets, but again, I, I think it's sort of similar where we have positive memories of him doing something in the postseason, the Grand Slam single, being a part of the greatest defensive infield of all time. And 2002 for the Yankees was this odd year. They won 103 games. But nobody cares about that. They care about the fact they got knocked out in the first round by Anaheim. That's really all that matters. So even though Robin Ventura was the everyday third baseman on that team and put up some damn good production, I mean, had a better year than Derek Jeter that year. Think about that for a second. Robin Ventura was a better player that season than Derek Jeter was. But nobody remembers it. I mean, Yankee fans are like, oh, Robin Ventura. Was he a freaking Met? I mean, was he a freaking Yankee? But he actually kind of was. And, but he's ours. That's a clear, he's ours kind of thing. And then you've got a lot of guys that we just took off the scrap heap. And let's pray to the Lord. We're not talking about Harrison Bader and Luis Severino in that way. But do you remember Kareem Garcia and Shane Spencer? We brought those guys in. Oh my God. That, that was brutal. And you knew it was brutal. Like, you knew that that's the difference, I think. Like, I don't know Luis Severino is going to be brutal. Who knows? Maybe he's going to put it all together and win a Cy Young. How amazing would that be? Though I, I'm not predicting it. But when you sign Kareem Garcia, when you sign Shane Spencer, you kind of know it. And in fairness, I think Harrison Bader is sort of similar in that he's a fourth outfielder. He is what he is. So you kind of know that's what he's going to be. But yeah, we've, we've had some bad ones over the years. But we've also had, and this is kind of the crazy part when you think, of Mets Yankees, it seems like that list of guys who played for both teams. And my dad used to tell me this, he would be able to remember it. 
he would be able to know almost every guy that played for the New York Mets and for the New York Yankees. It's like, really? It seems in the last 15 years, that number of guys that have played for both have just exploded. That that number is no longer like, it's not possible to remember guys that played for both teams. Because then you got guys like Mike Stanton and Felix Heredia, like those crappy relievers that bounce. Pedro Feliciano doesn't count though, because he never pitched for the Yankees. So luckily we get a win on that one. But it seems like that list of guys that played for both teams completely exploded over the last few years. Well, that's because how free agency and, and stuff like that works. Like it's just like people just rotate every year now. Like if I'm correct, like didn't like Jose Vizcaino play for the Yankees at one point in time? Oh my God. Did he ever play? He got the game winning in of game one of the 2000 world series. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. Play. Like you, yeah, he played all right. Yeah, he played. He stuck it up our ass. He'll be on the killer series one of these days. <laughs> uh, him, Benitez, don't forget about it. Now, where's Benitez with his uh, war? Armando Benitez? Armando yeah. Benitez didn't, like, the problem is, I guess it, it's not Fuck that enough. bad, but he just, like, he was barely on the Yankees. In fact, he pitched nine games on the New York Yankees. So, yeah, amongst pitchers. Uh, number one would be Doc Gooden overall. Number two would be David Cohn. Number three would be Al Leiter, with it mostly being as a Met, obviously. And number four would be El Duque. Because El Duque was a good Yankee and wasn't a terrible Met. The problem with El Duque is he couldn't stay healthy. And then after that, you're looking at David Robertson, Dellen Betances, Jesse Orozco. How about that? Jesse Orozco was a Yankee. <laughs> By the way, I looked that up because I was like, what? Jesse Orozco was a Yankee? Jesse Orozco. You ready for this? This is amazing stats for you. Jesse Orozco pitched in 15 games in 2003. 15 games, four and a third innings, which almost sounds mathematically impossible. Like, how do you get into 15 games and pitch four and a third innings and he pitched to a 10.380 ERA. Oh, well, that's how. So, <laughs> yeah, that's how. Bobby Ojeda. Bob Ojeda, you know, big part of the 1986 team, pitched in two games for the Yankees in 1994, and he pitched three innings and gave up seven runs. Like, that's his Yankee career. <laughs> that's an ERA of 24.00. Uh, but then there's a lot of relievers. Like, I forgot Wally Whitehurst, who I remember as a Met in the late 80s, early 90s. He pitched for the New York Yankees along with the Mets. Kenny Rogers pitched for both teams. Josias Manzanillo, that reliever, pitched for both teams. Justin Wilson, Jeff Reardon pitched for both teams. Uh, we mentioned Adam Adovino. Walt Terrell pitched for both teams. I, Walt Terrell was on the freaking Yankees for five minutes in 1989. Who could forget Big Bart? I mean, Bartolo Colon was a Yankee before he was a Met. And back in 2011, when he pitched for the Yankees, it was a... Wow, Brian Cashman found a good one. Boy, he found him out of nowhere. Where the hell did that come from? And he had that one good year before he left. Mike Stanton pitched for both teams. Uh, Lee Guterman, Kyle Farnsworth, Chasen Shreve, Graham Lloyd, Luis Ayala, Corey Lytle, Darren O'Day. Darren O'Day is like a trick question because Darren O'Day has an obscure record in Met history. He was a Rule 5 draft pick in 2009. 
pitched three scoreless innings, and then the Mets tried to send him down, which means they had to offer him back to his team, and he was taken. And then Darren O'Day bounced around for the next 12 years, had a really good reliever, a really good career as a reliever, has a zero ERA as a New York Met. So he's tied for the record, lowest ERA in the history of the New York Mets. Frank Tanana pitched for both teams. Rich Hill pitched for both teams. I can't believe that Raul Valdez pitched for both teams. I didn't even know he was a Yankee. Latroy Hawkins pitched for both teams. Like, the list of shitty relievers that pitched for both the Mets and the Yankees is sort of off the charts. But but guess this, okay? So you just named the name Latroy Hawkins, who was around. I mean, how many teams did Latroy Hawkins pitch for? I mean, he was... Oh, up- man, he... Everywhere. He was he bounced around, yeah. Right. But think about this. There's one guy who pitched for, if I'm correct, neither the Yankees or the Mets, who pitched for like 15 teams, Edwin Jackson. That is true. Never met, never Yankee. Unbelievable. Somehow avoided it. Then then there's others like good Mets that you almost forgot were on the Yankees, like Lance Johnson, who had that really good year in 1996. He was on the 2000 Yankees for 18 games. How about this one? Ike Davis. Our guy, Big Ike. Ike Davis was a Yankee for a brief amount of time. Neil Walker, I remember as a Yankee. Ryan Thompson, who the Mets got in that Jeff Kent, David Cone trade that we mentioned earlier. Do you remember Todd Zeal as a Yankee? Because guess what? He was. I remember that, yeah. Was that, yeah. Be- that was before or after the Mets? That was after, right? So that was in between because remember Todd Zeal um, left the Mets and then came back. So he was on that 2000 team, 2001 team. He actually finished his career in 2004 as a member of the Mets. So it was in between. Daryl Boston was on both teams. Dave Kingman was very, very briefly, very, very briefly, was a New York Yankee. We know about Todd Frazier. That one's obvious. He was actually, I don't want to say he was good for both teams because that's that's giving him too much credit. I don't know how good he was. He, he existed. How about that? You know he's from Tom's River, right? No way, is he? <laughs> Jay Bruce played for both teams. Doug Menkevich, Kelly Johnson, Alvaro Espinosa. Xavier Nady, Alberto Castillo, the backup catcher who got the game-winning hit on opening day in 1998, played 15 games in 2002. We mentioned Shane Spencer, uh, Gary Sheffield. I mean, who could forget him? No, he was there. Matt Lawton played for both teams. Tony Fernandez, Tyler Clifford, Scott Erickson, Chin Ho Park played for both teams. I mean, I don't know if you would count it, but he basically did. You don't think of Channel Park as a Met Yankee, but somehow he played for both teams. So the list continues to add and grow. Let's just hope it doesn't include like Pete Alonso in a couple of years <laughs> or anything like that. Uh, but it is fun thinking about the history of these two franchises because this has been an offseason predicated on bringing in former Yankees. Who was your favorite former Met Yankee? You can email the pod to RicoB at gmail.com. We'll open it up in the next mailbag, the Rico B at gmail.com, but we are very excited. Coming up this Sunday on the podcast forum, a little bit after that on the YouTube forum, we will have our very first sit-down in the Killers series. We will talk to a Met killer and have a long-form discussion about the way he stuck it up our derriere. And that's coming up on a future edition of Rico Bronia. In fact, the next edition of Rico Bronia. Any comments and questions, you can always direct it at us at thericob at gmail.com. Coming up as we head towards spring training, and I waited till the end of this offseason to do this, 
So we will wait a little bit longer for this offseason to end. You're going to hear hyperbole from Met fans and maybe non-Met fans that this was the worst offseason of all time. This is it. This is awful, awful. Well, guess what? They don't know Rico because we put together a list of all the crappy offseasons in the history of the New York Mets, and we'll go through them. We'll pick the real worst offseason in the history of the Mets and even have some fun by picking some of the best offseasons in the history of the New York Mets. So for anyone who thinks this is hell, this is the worst, I got news for you. It's not. We'll get to that coming up on a later edition of Rico Bronia. Thank you very much for listening. Check out Pete in the Middays, 10 a.m. on the fan. Me and Tiki, 2 o'clock on the fan. Thanks for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>